Iowa everywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Iowa Everywhere Network in the Rose and Bloom podcast. Just me, Sage Rosenfels today. Brent Bloom is out. I have on a special guest, Will Hewlett, uh, throwing coach extraordinaire, uh, mm-hmm. comes comes to us from Jacksonville, Florida, or near yep. Jacksonville, yeah, Florida, yeah. I would Just say. south of Jacksonville. Yep. South of Jacksonville. Yep. Uh, Will and I have known each other for about six years now. We started working right. together uh, with the Quarterback Collective, basically training some of the best high school and even now college uh, quarterbacks to, you know, at some point become NFL quarterbacks. So uh, I would call Will like my throwing guru. Uh, you know, when I work with quarterbacks, uh, he works with them more from a throwing standpoint and and uh, he has a deeper understanding of the throwing motion. And and it, it it's a shame for myself that I did not meet you earlier. I did not meet you in right. like year one of my NFL career. Because to be honest with you, no one really showed me how to throw very much right. self-taught in high school, very much self-taught in college, very much self-taught in the pros. I, of course you always get, I always got a uh, little teaching things here and there. I mean, Brian Schottenheimer was my quarterback coach, right? Well, he played for Spurrier and I remembers the old Spurrier throwing motion where your, right. your hands are way up by your ear. And so like, you know, obviously that's not the proper mechanics. You don't see anybody doing that. And so I never really was taught proper mechanics. Will and I do a, a camp, uh, five, six years ago, and we're talking about, uh, throwing and this and that. And I'm like, a, I'm like one of the, the 16 year old kids. I'm sitting there just learning like, Oh man, I wish I've known how to do that. <laughs> then I'm spinning the ball better than I ever had and, and put more velocity on it and feeling more accurate and confident and, and, uh, sort of blew my world. The problem was I was, you know, retired four or five years already and wasn't going to do right. much good, but what it does do for me is it helps me now uh, when I train quarterbacks. Uh, I know so much more than I did before. I know how to create more spin velocity, more more accuracy uh, in, in those things. But on top of it, what I like to do, my specialty is not the throwing motion. My specialty is the X's and O's. Right. Uh, and so I like watching, uh, um, you know, the, the, the games and breaking them down and those things. So anyway, Will Hewlett, yeah. thanks for coming on the show. Oh, man, thanks for having me. The, the I, Iowa State legend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I used to be sort of, uh, you know, the, the quarterback that people probably thought of. It was Seneca yeah. Wallace and myself uh, sure. that I think people thought of when they thought of Iowa State quarterbacks. And I think that we're going to get very quickly, yeah. uh, like, put uh, into um, the storage unit for a while and probably forever. And, and Brock Purdy, of course, he was fantastic at Iowa State and now, yeah. uh, and now he's having success with the 49ers. I don't want to talk about Brock yet. I want to talk about, about no, you no. and right. we'll get to Brock here in a bit. Um, tell me about your story, uh, growing yeah. up in Australia and then how you came to the United States and, and are doing what you're doing. Yeah, it took a pretty unique path, I guess, to get to, uh, where I'm at now. Um, 
you might be able to detect a, a slight accent from time to time. But yeah, basically grew up in Australia and I had just this unhealthy obsession with American football. Um, and, uh, you know, I got to say American football because we were having this discussion the other night, like, why is it even called football in the household? My youngest is arguing that, you know, uh, why is soccer called soccer and why isn't it football? But anyway, so I had this obsession with with throwing and I wanted to be a quarterback in the NFL. Um, I was like 16, I think I was, when I was like, I'm going to go be an NFL quarterback, which is quite an unrealistic, um, somewhat ridiculous dream to have growing up, you know, literally 9,000 miles away on a different, different side of the, the planet. And I think the, the international football is growing, but at that point, it was quite random. So I went on this... Uh, exchange program and and found a way to move to the U.S. and kind of pursue my dream. Um, you know, made some stops at some, some I played at Venice High School in, in Sarasota County, Florida for Coach Andy Siegel and then played some college ball with the University of Nevada, then a small Division three school, actually in Iowa, University of Dubuque. Uh, played with the, the Quad City Steam Wheelers Arena Football League team. Mm-hmm. Arena two. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, so essentially after that, I kind of got out of football and, and, and I was, I, I think the best way to describe my, my football career as a player, as a quarterback was, um, I was the guy that always had the potential to be really, really good. I was just behind the curve, you know, at big, large frame, I was athletic, um, strong enough arm, but just didn't have the background, um, you know, didn't have the, the, uh, the, the teaching growing up and it was just behind the curve. So about a year after not playing anymore, I just had this obsession to get back in it. Never thought I'd be a coach. Um, but instead of going through the traditional route of jumping on a football field and coaching with, you know, a team, I, I, I found myself really um, wanting to invest time in understanding the throwing mechanics of, of football, because I felt like that was most of the reason why I wasn't successful. There was a, a level of inconsistency. Um, I was frustrated that that coaches couldn't give me very specific feedback into like, what's wrong? You know, why did that ball do that? Why did it flutter? Why did I miss that? And so I kind of went on this journey as a player trying to figure that out. And then when I entered in as a coach, it kind of became a mission to, you know, try to discover, um, you know, help. I, I felt a level of frustration and I felt as a coach, I could kind of impact the next me, right. The next um, athlete that had potential, and, and that wanted to pursue it, but needed that additional feedback. So here we are, you know, 15, 16, maybe 17 years later on that little journey um, and had a chance to really, really uh, jump in and hopefully you know, influence the game and, and how it's taught from a throwing standpoint. So you started training young kids, 12, mm-hmm. 13, 14 yeah. years old, you know, uh, parents would, your name would sort of get out there. Parents would make a phone call and say, yeah, I can work with uh, your kid or every Saturday we throw, you have, sometimes it's one-on-one, sometimes it's groups of up to probably 10 yeah. uh, in these throwing sessions. Sometimes you have receivers, sometimes you don't. And, and you go through all these various mechanics changes. Talk to me about the sort of the principles of the throwing motion itself and, and like where you start with a kid who, yeah, he, he plays baseball, he throws it, but he doesn't really know how to throw a football. Yeah. How do you start that conversation with, with young kids or, you know, guys who are, who are more, who, who maybe haven't had coaching, but they're 17, 18 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's, um, and, and going through this process as a coach, you know, starting off, cause I didn't have the NFL pedigree and a lot of t- times, you know, when someone enters into the private coaching arena, um, they come with some kind of background, right? They've, they've played at a high level. Um, it, uh, they, they've uh, coached at a high level. 
um, I was kind of this, you know, my entry point was somewhat random and, and uh, unique. Um, and so I kind of really had to start from the ground up. Uh, so in terms of like my first clients and people I started working with, you know, there were, yeah, literally 10 year olds, 11 year olds, I would take anybody to train, right? To, to and, and to say that um, at the beginning, it wasn't somewhat experimental. Um, I really mm -hmm. felt like, yeah, I like didn't really know what I was doing. And I had this epiphany after working with, um, uh, it, was, it was a friend's son. I was like, man, I don't, I don't think I really taught him much. Um, like I thought I played at a pretty high level. And, and like yourself, you kind of came out. It was like, man, do I, I don't really know much about throwing the ball. Um, I just kind of do it. And so, you know, and I, again, like someone like yourself that played at a very, very high level, um, of course you were able to throw the ball, but there's all these little areas that if you were able to improve and understand better, just even having an understanding for a lot of athletes is, is really enough to, 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 you know, take their game to a new level, right? It's, it's like, oh, if I focus on this, it's going to help result in this. So with, as I kind of went through that process, I really stepped away from football and dove into the, um, the baseball world and, and a little bit of the golf world. And simply because the <clears throat> deficiency in the, in the football coaching world, and part of it is like baseball, every player on the team, <clears throat> excuse me, is a thrower. Um, and, and so the biomechanics are, are applicable to everybody, and especially with pitching, right? Like, you know, teams live and die on the ability to throw a ball uh, hard and fast at a very small spot. So they kind of went down that road. They're, you know, probably 30 years ahead of where football was. And I think with the, um, you know, the increase in, in salaries and the, 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 the um, pressure to win and the fact that if you don't have the right quarterback, um, that's, also, you know, you're not going to win championship, right? It's a QB driven game. Now the, the training for it had to get better. Um, and there was this, there's this, you know, thought process that if I'm a quarterback coach on the team, um, that I would know how to coach throwing mechanics. And you know, I find now that that's actually not very common at all. Like no. essentially a quarterback coach. My, is a, my first that, quarterback coach at that. Iowa State was a guy named Jay Norvell. Jay's the head coach at, I think, Colorado State. Um, but uh, uh, he was a safety at Iowa. He was a, a strong safety <laughs> at the University of Iowa with Dan McCartney, my, my head coach, uh, probably played for him or, or whatever. So like, but that's not unusual. Kyle Shanahan was a wide receiver right. in high school and college and, and was my quarterback's coach. Right. Yeah. It's um, it's, it's not unusual for, for people that didn't play quarterback and really know nothing about the throwing motion to be the actual quarterback's coach. Right. right? So there's this, there's this like thing that happens where in reality, the a quarterback's coach needs a, a throwing coach, which yes. is where you have sort of fit in here. Um, right. So I, I do a lot of times talk about golf when I'm talking about, training quarterbacks in a throwing motion and sort of like most kids are, are imagine if, if most kids just went out there and they just went to the range and they just played it, they just hit balls a ton. Yep. And as they get older, they're really good at hitting balls and, but, but they're sort of inconsistent because they don't right. have that, the basic fundamentals to like think about where their elbows should be, where their hips should be at the timing. They've just done it so many times. They're pretty dang good at it. And that's most throwers, whether it's yes. baseball or football you come in and you give certain um, very specific things for the quarterback to think about right. that he can then go back to uh, yeah. and actually see on film. Oh, I missed that throw. What, you know, something is off there because of these certain fundamentals. Talk to you about those fundamentals yeah. in particular that sort of 
where again, where you sort of fill in for what yeah. the quarterbacks coach many times doesn't actually know. Absolutely. Yeah. There's this whole industry I've that's been developed because of that lack of throwing feedback. Um, so really what it boils down to is you've got, you can look at the throw from, you know, a posture standpoint. So how the quarterback stands and sets ready before he throws the ball. And then, you know, one of the, the some of the fancy words that are thrown around are like sequence and timing. Um, and so the sequence of the throw is important, right? And so with the increase in, in motion capture technologies, the, the, the ability to film athletes in, in three dimensions, um, and then you can record anything. You can see how far the finger flexes. You can see how many degrees per second the hips rotate. So with this information available, we started seeing trends in the best throwers, right? And so understanding what a sequence is um, and then how to then improve that with athletes, right? In terms of, and specifically, you know, having the hips be kind of the driving force in the throw um, and not just saying, hey, you've got to rotate your hips, like giving them, you know, specific cues and terms and, and then understanding something like the, the lead arm can be a, a massive uh, power bleeder. You know, it can it can really disrupt the timing of the throw if it's not if it's not used properly. Right. So really to start with athletes is we get kind of in a stance on how they kind of load their hips pre throw. Um, surprisingly, they kind of sink their heels into the ground a little more. You think every, everything in athletics is being on your toes to be athletic, but it's, you know, your full foot in the ground, kind of your glutes engaged, and then having a nice um, relaxed and, and, and uh, central ball carriage, so kind of the ball in the center. And that, and that really goes against what was thought, you know, the big yeah. put the ball in the shell. It was either yeah. in the back by your right shoulder. All yeah. right. Uh, I always, I always, whenever, uh, feel like every year I see a picture at the Manning Passing Academy and <laughs> Peyton's back here and Archie's back here and Eli, they're back here and doing these like sort of throwing things. And yeah, it was just very much from the back. Spurrier taught yeah. it like hitting a baseball. His thoughts were you sort of you're back here and then uh, uh, you sort of left it here. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you saw quarterbacks from all over. You know, some guys really dropped it down low by their yeah. waist. Some guys kept it up high. Yeah. Uh, but there were these what we what you and I would call a natural thrower. Right. Yeah. And natural think, throwers were generally more in the middle. Yeah. Really, it felt and the so most natural. You you saw that like a lot of coaching actually got in the way of throwing, um, and and so my focus has been to try to and one of the things I say is like don't kill the natural thrower. We want to take the, the great, the things that make them great in the first place, and then just give them some guidelines to, you know, improve on that. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, some of the misconceptions, right. And, and this is natural, you know, lifting the ball up and getting it further back and closer to the ear to make it quicker and tighter. Well, quicker and tighter doesn't mean better. And it doesn't actually mean faster, right? In fact, those adjustments typically restricted the quarterback's ability to drive the throw. And I think you can see just from a, you know, even the game today, like a guy like Mahomes, um, or Matthew Stafford, you know, some of the guys that have Josh, Cam, Allen. Josh Allen. Yeah, exactly. Rodgers, they play with, you know, a pretty relaxed pre-pass, you know, where they hold the ball. You'll see the ball dip down sometimes, not all the time, but they will have a lot of, of movement in the throw. And if you, if you skip all that, like the number one thing that correlates with velocity is going to be how your front foot hits the ground and how, how far your arm can lay back behind your head. Um, and so these traits were kind of coached out of a lot of throwers that became pushy and, and, um, uh, mechanical. And so this is balance of like, you know, a, an infielder in baseball, a little short stuffy 
feel to it um, with, with just a little bit more, uh, you know, control and, and maybe a little bit more of a vertical release. Um, and then, and then we've kind of like understood the, you know, some of the boundaries that have been broken from the traditional sense, right? It was like, get your arm up really high above your head and, and get on top. So you don't get the ball batted down, but you've got guys in the league that are, you know, under six foot now and having a, um, impacts on at a high level. Um, and, and so their ability to change their arm angles, you know, is, is something that's been really emphasized, um, more recently than, than not. So kind of creating this really adaptable quarterback with a, you know, fluid throwing mechanics, you know, hip driven throw, um, and then having an understanding of their own specific mechanics so they can really almost be their own coach when they're on the field. I mean, and that's, that's the role because, You've, I've seen a shift in in the, the team coach, uh, the you know college and pro and high school and everything. Those guys are becoming more trusting of the outside coach like myself. Um, and there's a lot of really good ones out there, and they should still be guarded because it's not there's a lot of ones that aren't so good. Um, you have to be careful. Um, but there's a trust level there where it's almost like you know, hey, my throwing coach is going to handle this, and then but I'm going to handle this part of the game. Right. And, yeah. you know, I've worked with some players for, you know, 10 plus years now. So we have a relationship that's built up. They trust me. I trust them. So their coach literally has no choice at this point to have some kind of um, interaction with us. And, and that's yeah. been a really positive change. The way, you know, I started learning about throwing a, a football. It was, it was, the ball was up, but not only did it make you less of a thrower with, with power, um throwing that way as you said you sort of push it many times yeah. but it also just made you such a mechanical athlete you yeah. know you you who runs like that right and so yeah. and you're doing bootlegs you're sprinting out or just running in general with the ability to throw having the ball up there really like sort of restricted you as an athlete you weren't natural it's just you, you can sort of just see it in your mind like that's just not a natural throwing motion but back yeah. in the day that's how everyone threw you know get the ball yeah. up as you're running towards your target <laughs> and like who runs like that right and so um you have worked basically past the bad coaching and try to work it out of these athletes in a lot of yeah. ways um, yeah. and athletes, but talk to me about that sequence, by the way, that's what yeah. I'm interested in is talking about from your feet to the, to the point, the ball sort of leaves your hand and everything that's in between. Yeah. So, um, essentially what you have to do, all elite throwers have a, a sequence, um, that starts with the hips and then we have the trunk that, and this is in rotation. This is how the body's rotating. So your, your back hip is kind of driving towards the target. Your front hip is pulling away from the target. And then the next sequence to start, and it's these little curves that go up and down when you measure it, is the trunk. And then the trunk basically has the hips to then the hips get ahead and it grabs on and then the trunk comes and then your elbow comes through and then your shoulder rotates over. So one, two, three, four, hips, trunk, elbow, shoulder, and then rapidly in the same order, but in, in reverse, the hips stop and then the trunk stops and the elbow stops and then the shoulder stops. So it's this rapid acceleration and rapid deceleration and it's how all these little things interact, right? So the, and there's gotta be a separation between, you know, the hips and the shoulders. Um, so be specific, right? Most great throwers um, start with their hips, the trunks move second, and there's about a, an average of like 30 to 35 degrees of separation. Some are greater than that. You can have 45 degrees of separation. You can just think of it like the front hip and the, and the front shoulder, how far they get apart from each other before um, the trunk comes around. And so creating that separation there um, and then rotating, you know, there's a difference about, uh, it's about 300 degrees per second. So your hips are gonna rotate somewhere about 400 plus degrees per second. And then the trunk comes around about 700. 
in an optimum thrower. And then so, you know, and having access to measure those things has been super helpful. You can kind of get a, an idea for it if you've seen it enough to know that, hey, the hip is not firing first. You know, there's some deficiencies you can see. Um, but yeah, that, that sequence and understanding that sequence and being able to train that into athletes, essentially it's just, it's helping them find a bigger engine, a more efficient engine. And, and when they're a more efficient thrower, um, they're, they're able to last longer in terms of the reps on their arm. Um, they, they don't have to use as much energy to generate as much velocity. And so that's why you're seeing a level of the game right now that's being just pushed you know, one more notch each time is just, wow, like this guy's able to do this and it's going to continue to get better. Like someone like Caleb Williams, you see coming up, who's, who's sequentially elite, um, you know, but he was doing stuff in high school that blew people's minds. Right. So there's great examples of it, how, you know, the technology and the access to the great coaching and, and understanding those things as an athlete is really pushing the game. When I think of the throwing motion and so what I've learned from you over the years, it is it, well, a couple of things it, back in the old days, I remember throwing like out routes to my left and my left hip would be down and my right hip would be up, right? My shoulders right. are leaning in that sort yeah. of direction. Right. And on this sort of, my body was really just bent and it wasn't yeah. like vertical. But then when I started working with you and started seeing these other athletes and how they throw, I try to imagine is like, you're standing in a telephone booth. And that's yeah. all the room you got. All right. The, the more back in the old days, everyone, the, the pitchers, it was like, oh, the throwing coach is a major league pitcher. Well, major league yeah. pitchers have uh, unlimited amount of space. They, they, yeah. they, there's no uh, pocket, right? So they, yep. they're also going downhill um, right. and they're throwing the ball absolutely as hard as they can. Right. Yes. So um, th therein sort of lied the, the part of the problem where there used yeah. to be this sort of follow through with this right foot coming over. Yes. And you know, like you watch Kirk Cousins show a lot of times and his yeah. right hip comes off the ground yeah. um, and in which you and I would, cons like we would tell him not to do that as absolutely, much. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. It creates yeah. some issues, but keeping the hips basically flat, keeping the shoulders basically flat. Yeah. But what I had learned is, yeah, the sequence is sort of like you sort of start the ball in the circle going back at the same time, you basically fire that right hip. Yeah. And your right hips uh, 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 go towards your target. Meanwhile, you actually, with the ball going back, your body's actually turning, the upper body is turning the other direction. Yes. And you call that disassociation. Correct. Your lower half yeah. has fired towards the target. And now your upper half is like, it's like a rubber band. And, then, yeah. and, and as the ball comes in that circle, and then boom, it comes through. Absolutely. Right. And so so that, that's where like that sort of the whip comes into it. But what I found really fascinating, and you brought it up before, is um the actually deceleration yeah in the old days it was that big you know baseball pitcher follow through all the way down to the hip and and have that right hip uh to the left up and then have the right hip come over yep with your you're like no stop because right. if you stop now the 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 end of the what i can the whip yeah that out that's where the snap comes in when that's like you know indiana jones he doesn't he doesn't follow through he actually snaps it yeah and then that creates this sort of snap at the end which then creates ball rotation exactly. which which is a quarterback you want and something that i really struggle with something that peyton manning really struggled with at the end yes. of his career was the ability to put to a spinning football yeah. and that's where that deceleration sort of comes into effect is you sort of get that snap at the end and then the ball you the reason you want a ball that spins a lot is because it cuts through the air yeah um absolutely. and it, which then creates it to go straighter uh in, in a lot of ways so balls that sort of knuckle or they don't go through the air well of course especially when it's windy but 
Peyton was so big. He's six foot six, 240 or whatever he was. He got away with it uh, yeah. in a lot of ways where someone like, like a Brock Purdy, someone smaller, Drew Brees, couldn't go with and Drew, Drew Brees had his own throwing motion, right? We're talking yeah. about guys in the Hall of Fame, going to the Hall of Fame, who didn't have great throwing motions. Uh, right. Because being self-taught or self-taught by yeah. your dad, who's a, you yeah. know, was a great player, but also played like in the 70s, you know? Yeah. So um, that's what I find interesting about uh, the, the throwing motion conversation yeah. that I never learned before is this disassociation and starting of the circle uh, uh, with the ball and throwing that right hip. Uh, at it and then everything else comes around it but actually stopping you and, yeah. and you see the the left the left uh uh arm yeah that's another different thing it used to be the left arm sort of you pulled it pulled it through, sort of came yeah. that you pulled through and now you're actually sort of stopping the upper body a yeah. little bit yeah. with the left you see a tom brady you see a lot of yeah. players talking about that aspect that deceleration yeah. aspect of the throwing motion first off i mean i'm super impressed man like your your description there was fantastic <laughs> they're really good man you you, you got to figure that that was really good um I'm, I'm impressed uh so yeah like the 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 deceleration phase and it's like you know the one of the the terms is like kind of keeping your eyes and your shoulders level right and and it's the difference between being uh, the old linear thrower, like to the target versus a rotational thrower. Right. And it's like, mm -hmm. you constantly hear the, you know, people say, Oh, I threw that ball off his back foot. And I always chuckle when I hear that. Cause I'm like, well, yeah, that's how the game's played is literally off your back foot. You've Have you seen able... a baseball player hit a baseball? They're not exactly. following through to their left leg. They're exactly. staying back there. Right. Exactly. So keeping the weight back. So, and, and so what we found is that <clears throat> if you ignore the stop and the finish and the throw, um, it's like the best description I, I, I try to use is when you're a little kid and you rode your bike and you hit a curb, when you hit that curb, you went flying over the handlebars, right? And so you, you have this sudden stop of energy. Well, anything that's not attached to that, that, you know, uh, that object is going to keep going. And so the football is not attached, right? You're going to let go of the ball. So we want to generate as much force as we can through rotation, through our hips, through our trunk. And then we want to run into a wall. And when that stop happens, that rapid decel moment, the arm keeps going and that snap, and then you get the, the high spin rate, the high RPMs. And, and I think it's, it's probably a, you know, it's not necessarily a natural way of, we think like push more at the target equals more. But then when you think of it from a crash standpoint, it's like, well, if you've ever been in a crash, you know, you feel the energy stopping. Um, and so when athletes can have that light bulb moment of, of sitting back and rotating and feeling that crack of the whip, it's a whole different ball game from that standpoint. And it's just, it's, uh, it's fun to see happen in athletes and it's fun to, to witness, you know, come out in their, in their game. I feel like the biggest things I see that are different now, not all NFL quarterbacks, right. Yeah. Um, but from a lot of them compared to what things were and you know, I came to the league in 2001 and watched other guys show or a couple of things. One, shoulders, everyone yeah. sort of had these angled shoulders, left shoulder down, right shoulder up, right? Yeah. Um, and then bringing that right foot off the ground. Yeah. Bringing that right foot and sort of bring it towards the target. So you sort of end up parallel like a pitcher, like right. Greg Maddox back in the day. Right. Now it's very much shoulders flat. Yeah. Uh, and then keeping that right foot there, because if you yeah. keep that right foot there, that helps with the deceleration, that helps with the, the stop, right? Which yeah. then creates, at the end of the day, the snap, which is really yeah. what you're looking for. Um, and so you, you, I, I think you're seeing in both pro football mm -hmm. and college football and probably high school football, too, 
the skill development level is has never been higher in the game. The ability right. to throw and catch and, and you know, the private coaching with quarterbacks and like receivers, receivers, they have, yeah. they have private guys out there too, uh, uh, working and learning from, from former NFL receivers of how to run certain routes, how to come out of breaks, how to catch the ball properly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but so I, I feel like the, the skill level, even though, you know, I don't know, uh, we say it's a, a, the, the throwing in the NFL has gotten better because of the rules. No, I just think the players have actually just become, yes, yeah, probably the rules some, but I think the players have just become much better skilled athletes yeah. than back in yeah. the, like the eighties and nineties. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, what you're seeing with this, this better understanding of the mechanics, um, you know, there's, there's been this shift too in the game where you started to see drills appear. Um, it's like, and through the Shanahan tree, you got the base bag drill, right? And so everyone sees the base bag drill where essentially, if you could picture it, it's a quarterback that's straddling a bag with his back foot behind and front foot in front. And they kind of shuffle from side to side between the bag and then, you know, uh, on command, throw the ball without bringing their back foot up and over, right? And so, you know, coaches were starting to realize that they could, you know, they don't have to be mechanical experts, but the certain drills that they could use that would help emphasize these key components of being a great thrower. Um, and so the popularity, there's a better shift in terms of instead of just wasting your time at practice on individual drills that don't really apply to the game, you know, there's been a, a better shift there for the most part. There's still a long way to go for a lot of, you know, certain uh, teams and, 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 and coaching trees and, and, um, you know, there's still some stubbornness there. It's like, well, it worked for this guy, so it's going to work for this guy. But yeah, the, the evolution of the game and understanding those things, I think, has been super helpful. You mean just the shuffling through the bags back and forth, yeah. shuffling back and forth, and, and then sprinting out and throwing the ball is not like a natural right. thing that occurs in the pocket. Exactly, and it's <laughs> it's you know the argument people can use, and and um, I used to you know be careful, but you know I don't want to offend anyone, but I stopped worrying about that. Um, I think. It's it's well if this player did it right then then and they won a Super Bowl then it must be a great drill right yeah look if we're gonna you know Peyton Manning's a really great example the guy is a, a legend the family's legendary they're, they're all great throws if you I bet if you looked at Arch Manning though his his uh, nephew he doesn't throw anything like Peyton does because no. the the evolution right the evolution of of how things are being taught and not that he hasn't gotten great insight from Peyton and and Eli and um, because that that's going to be unbelievable for him. But, um, you know, Peyton wasn't, you know, you're not going to remember him as an elite thrower. Um, and that, that, that's not a knock on his ability to play quarterback. If anything, it makes it even more impressive how good he was because of the lack of ability to drive the ball later in his career, um, spin the ball. It just fall out on pure anticipation and and probably this library of, of uh, defenses that he had could go through at, at any moment. In, in the back of his head but yeah i think the um you know again the modern thrower is is evolved substantially where you're gonna you'll see kids in high school that are more elite than a pro quarterback you know 20 years ago 15 years yeah ago. yeah it's uh, when, when we work together we say caleb williams is, is one of those yeah. guys um but a lot of guys we see at these camps i i see them there i we i show up i don't know who they are they're 15 years old and i'm like this kid throws it better than I ever threw it in my career. Yeah, and he's 15 it's, it's years old. Yeah, Malik Murphy, when I first saw he's a quarterback at Texas. When I first saw yeah. him throw, I was like, who is that kid? He's a, is he a junior yeah. in college? And they're like, no, he's 15. And, you know, and just <laughs> yeah. spinning it like crazy, but keeping that right foot, you know, in yeah. the ground. Well, let's let's move on here. Let's let's talk about the guy that we worked with, you, you sure. more than me from a yeah. physical standpoint, Brock Purdy. 
yeah. uh, who has just exploded onto the scene here in the last month of the NFL season. And, and we'll see where he, he takes this team uh, very possibly deep in the playoffs. And, and who knows right. why I, I have a feeling that this is going to be a, a, like a Kurt Warner sort of oh, story. I'm not saying he's going to win the Super Bowl, but I, I yeah. do. I feel like there's uh he's perfectly set up with, one of the best, if not the best, offensive mind in football with the best defense in football with tons of athletes. Of course, Debo's out with the high ankle sprain, but great tight end, other good receivers, running yeah. game. You know, everything is super well coached. And then Brock's out there just balling. He's a, he's yeah. a game and a half in uh, or so uh, and, and, and almost two, two full games and has played incredible football. When he showed up to you, so Iowa State plays their bowl game. And their their season's done. His career's over. He comes down to Jacksonville, and you yeah. guys start throwing. Talk to me yeah. about that process and what you saw in his throwing motion. Yeah, um, yeah. And he was a kid that I'd followed his career just out of um, interest. Like he was a ball player, right? At, at one point, he I think he was preseason Heisman Trophy watch list. You know, yeah. Um, and and I know like his final year wasn't maybe as um, you know great as people expected. But the kid had like what forty six starts. It's ridiculous, you know. Forty six really... starts. Yeah, but he basically started for for all four years. I think his first yeah. year, four or five yeah. games, he didn't start yet. And um, but his career, he won a ton of games, played in a ton of games, played in a lot of yeah. big games. But it didn't really progress from like, well, they won five games, and then seven games, and then nine games, and then eleven games. So like his yeah. his, his uh, both statistically and winning wise, uh, it didn't in, it didn't improve. Um, right. as he went on, that was always like, man, Brock's not getting better. Right. right. That, that was, exactly. that was one of the struggles with him in college. And of course, all the physical metrics were not there. He's not six foot four. He's not going to run a four foot five, four five, uh, 40. He's not going to, you know, do this and do that. But when you actually watched him play, and for me, as a guy who threw for 10 touchdowns passes my senior year and 52%. Uh, watching him play even a freshman, I was like, this kid's a baller out there. Yes, he is like, exactly. he is running around. He is, he sees a blitz coming from the right. He's going to sort of flow to the left. Yeah. This kid is making some incredible throws. Uh, and yes. his accuracy, especially on the mid-range throws and even the quick stuff was impeccable. And yeah. so I, I always thought this kid, I always thought Brock had um, huge upside, even though he was, six yeah. foot and, and and never threw the ball 60 yards right so anyway going back to it tell me what you saw when when he showed yeah. up with that throw in motion so he showed up and um um you know i actually went down the bowl game was in orlando watched that ball game and that was really good to see in person um and so though even just i was glued to the warm-up i was watching him warm up and i could see some from just from my eye some inefficiencies from his backstroke and his front arm was overactive. He'd have this kind of like elbow kick where it would get up very, very yeah. high. Yep. Didn't really have an understanding of how to utilize his lower body, you know, kind of played on his tippy toes. Um, and then had this, you know, we talked about before this, this concept of over rotation. He didn't, didn't de decelerate very well. Right. He kind of got up and spun out of his throws a lot. Um, and so when we got him in the, in the facility, um, you know, literally the first throwing session we did, um, it was just some basic, you know, three-step under center, just getting a feel for things, right? We're playing catch back and forth. And, and by then, the way, just before we get into that, yeah. the, the, a lot of these kids don't know how to drop from no. center or even right. like hand the ball off from center with, with right. the detail because high school, you know, uh, uh, college, a lot of these it's kids gone. are yeah. barely <laughs> in shotgun, 
right? Yeah. Um, and so you're starting from from scratch in in, yeah. in some ways from under center. Yeah. And and so like we want to at that point we're like we know he's got a bowl game coming up. He had the uh, East West Shrine game, and so we've got about three weeks or so to prepare for that. Um, and and so we want to be careful not to overhaul things too much to put him in a you know kind of a state of of confusion or transition where it's like he can't he's in the middle of a change but yeah. make enough tweaks well the thing i learned very very quickly about him getting to know him quickly and fast was that that kid it was you know it's kind of like a perfectionist in terms of his approach and not one that's gonna you know um some guys that are perfectionists it kind of holds them back almost it, it cripples them because they yeah i can't be perfect he was realistic He's like, I want to get it perfect. He's like, you can, he told me one of the first things he said, he's like, you can tell me everything. I can handle it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, that's, that's very rare for athletes to be able to manage a lot of um, external and internal cues in their throwing. Well, I would sprinkle a couple of things like, Hey, you know, focus on this with your lead side arm and let's keep your, your hips a little bit low. And I would just fire these cues at him one by one. And it was like, boom, boom, boom. It's like, wow, this guy is actually picking up steam very, very quickly. And one of the things that we do while we train is we film a lot of it, right? And it's only, you know, 240 frames per second. We can slow it down. Um, and it's, again, it's not as good as motion capture, um, but which we did get done with Brock. We did have 3D motion capture come in, which was very, very helpful. Um, and, but we, we, would, we would take what we did on the field. We'd go upstairs in the room and, and basically we just sat down and went through everything that we felt like okay these are the areas that i think we need to improve right and some of the specifics were we wanted to get a little bit more quiet and controlled up top um you know we wouldn't necessarily adjust his whole throwing motion but just be aware like you know we don't want to get too overextended behind with your arm and the backstroke and and if you have a better awareness of your front arm going all over the place um so we and we pattern those movements not just in the facility with the football we actually do it um, with a company we work with called Torque, where they, they actually take the athletes and, and take these specific drills and put them on a wall with plyometric balls. So they take the football out of their hand and they wreck the, the movements correctly over and over and over again. And so there's like little feedback loop we do. He does it there. It comes to the facility and we tweak it. So after a couple of weeks, you can see a, a very quick um, improvement in just the results of the ball flight would spin better. <clears throat> he had a better awareness of where his arm should be in certain throws. Um, and then after we had the motion capture done, we did it at the beginning we, and then we recaptured them before the combine. Um, and, and, uh, we use, um, a guy by the name of Chris Hess with biometrics. Um, and he, he sat down with us and he's like, I don't ever give the athlete, um, the feedback before the combine, because if the improvements weren't as good as they wanted, we don't want them going to the combine being like, oh, you know, I didn't, didn't improve on like some number that doesn't mean anything for them. Yeah. Um, cause he brought visually got better. Um, but his improvement was so drastic that, that, uh, Chris was like, I think we should tell him cause I think it's going to really pump him up and fire him up. Uh, he said he had one of the largest increases in performance, <laughs> um, from the, the metrics we, we measure, um, from the start of combine, uh, prep to, to the end of it. Um, so he was just able to, to, to pick on so many little things, manage it. Um, I think a lot of that I give credit, he, you know, he grew up, his dad's a, a former baseball player. He's got a lot of, um, you know, baseball background. So he's been coached by his dad and, and from that standpoint. And he, so he was able to take on that information. But the problem with college football is it's really hard to work on those things. So the inconsistency in his gameplay 
we went back through film. He's like, his sophomore year, he had things that he was doing better than he was his junior year. And then you could see changes in his base. And he's just kind of like, and, and this is not a knock on any coaches because it's hard to manage that, right? He, it's one of those things where that's why I have a, a job, right? Is, is people outsource that part of their training. And so there's there things that we could pick off and like, look, this is, this is not good. This is good. Um, and then also just understanding, and I think you helped a ton with this and just seeing the, the game and, and the film, maybe a little bit of a different approach in the pocket and, and the way he approaches the game from like a protection and, and, and awareness standpoint. Um, and I think once he cleaned up those mechanics, he got that awareness. Now you're seeing, I think, you know, at the best version and knowing that there's more that he can continually improve, but why he's having so much success, you know, what we see that jump in performance now um, coming on, on the field in, in the professional levels. Yeah. So I wasn't down there uh, two years ago. I went down with Ian book uh, yep. when you, when you, got him ready he current current philadelphia eagles is he in the practice squad or maybe the third quarterback he's just he's in the third i think he's active with yeah with the eagles um uh but uh for this year uh i couldn't be down there brock and i would just watch film so yeah. he'd work with you and then be a couple of days a week uh before that east west shrine game i would sit there and it's amazing with the technology nowadays i got my ipad i'm watching pro film uh, yep. on a zoom, of course, and I can draw on my iPad of routes and this and that. And we just dive into NFL film and oddly enough, you know, high school kids don't watch a lot of college football from a film standpoint or pro football and college kids, they don't watch pro football either. You're mostly right. watching college football. You're watching your yeah. opponent, you're watching yourself, you're watching practice, but you're not going up to that higher level as much so i just dive into them as much as i can i know i have a, a limited amount of time i don't i'm not one of those people that's like okay we're going to talk about all these fronts and we're going to talk about protections or we i just go because like one play i can talk about 20 different things you know just because the um we go behind the quarterback uh in some sort of like empty formation they might have whatever play on but i'm not going to even talk about the play i want to talk right. about protections and how you manipulate protections and what the front's doing and what the coverages uh, occur when one person blitzes. If it's man, there's no hole player. If, uh, if there's a five-man rush and this and that and the other. And I think just giving him as much information that I learned over yep. the course of my career from, you know, Brian Schottenheimer, Norv Turner, uh, uh, obviously Kubiak and Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel, Matt LaFleur up to Bevel and Gilbride. I've got all the I, all these random coaches I played for. So sometimes they'd be like, hey, you see this double-A gap look? Eli used to... Do this yeah. protection, make the weak side guy the mic, and the running back would scan from the free safety and then help out the tight end if they all dropped out. And it's like, you know, the, the, awesome. I got to I got to be around all these things. Yeah. And so my sort of specialty is just from a quarterback standpoint, coaching them really X's and O's, less throwing stuff. I like doing the throwing stuff, but I live in Omaha, Nebraska, and can't really do that in January and February. Yeah, uh, all that well, and unsur unsurprisingly, people don't want to fly here. Uh, uh, and spend <laughs> a month training usually indoors gets gray and snowy and rainy outside. Yeah. So, um, I loved how we got to do that with yeah. him. I, I think the, the work that we both did was extremely beneficial. Oh, um, and then he's, he, he goes off, he does his thing. Right. And then next thing you know, it's like, all right, the, the draft's coming up. He gets drafted by the 49ers. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we both yeah. know. This yeah, is perfect. this is perfect. Yeah. All right, one, you know he's going to have a, a great offensive mind, and, and yeah. that's talking about how valuable that is. By the way, you see all these kids drafted, and some you work with, and they go to a system, 
where you just know it's not a great system or maybe it's a more of a defensive head coach or, or whatever it might be. And then players that end up, uh, I mean, let, let's talk about like, like Tua is a, is a classic It's the best example. example. Yeah. Goes from like, oh, uh, he's, you know, probably not going to be, people are tanking for Tua when he was, when he was at Alabama trying to be yeah. bad. So, so he'd be the first pick in the draft. And, and so he comes in and doesn't do well for, for two full years. And then all of a sudden, Mike McDaniel comes in and he's yeah. got 120 quarterback rating three quarters of the way through the season. Yeah. Of course, he's not playing great right now, but but that there's like no better sort of poster child for yeah. reasons this system seems to be quarterback friendly. So talk to you about your feelings when you got drafted by the 49ers uh, yeah. and, and, and until now. Well, and the, the cool thing was with, with Brock's process and, you know, being in this industry and working with a lot of guys. I knew that he was going to get dinged on the on the height side and and the, the athleticism side, even though he plays the game extremely athletic. Um, but yeah, comparatively to like you know Josh Allen um, or Lamar Jackson, different class of athlete. But um, you know we knew Brock um, had an elite. We, had, we and you're familiar with S two, um, yes. the company, the cognition company. We had an elite uh, cognitive score, um, and so he can take on a lot of information. He's able to, you know, scan the field with a high level efficiency. Um, and then knowing that he was going to go into a system that we were very familiar with, um, you know, uh, with, with collective, it, it's, it's amazing that it just worked out. I was like, Oh, this is going to be so good. So I was ecstatic because I knew he'd operate so well on that offense. Um, he would be, you know, be able to be a great compliment to, um, Trey Lance, um, and then all, all Jimmy Garoppolo uh, with the style of gameplay that that Brock had, and and so I knew it was just a just a really really good situation, and, and that it was just a matter of time. And, you, and we heard very very early on that they just absolutely loved him there, um, and and it's fun to see. It's I think it's um, it's important, you know, that that Brock's a really good example, and he's still got to do a lot of great things, but you know, to do what he's done in two games. Um, as a rookie, you know, with his situation, um, that's really difficult. That's really difficult to do. You know, you can chalk it up to some of its luck or whatever. Then you can't have that much success just off of luck. You know, there's a lot of things that have to go into play there. Um, so I think it's important that we can see, like, you know, maybe there's a, a better lens to continually evaluate quarterbacks. And, and to your point, you know, a, a lot of your career was based on your ability to understand the field and the system and, and the, the offense that you operated on. And then having a coach that has a great knowledge base and, and there's coaches in the NFL that maybe shouldn't be in there. There's some guys that is continually recycled. Right. And, um, but you know, we know guys like Mike McDaniel and uh, that have had just unbelievable. There's a reason why he was with Shanahan for so long, right. It's, it's, it's the understanding of the value of, of having a great system, a supportive coach, um, you know, and they're continually evolving. There's, a, there's an evolution in the offense. It's not just the same thing, but there's, um, but the foundation is is the same. The core of it's it the is. same. So yeah, and it's it's just it's awesome to see. And that's what I find interesting is when I got in the league. Uh, Marty Schottenheimer was my head coach. Jimmy Ray was our coordinator. Jimmy Ray was the running backs coach, my quarterbacks coach for the Kansas State Chiefs when Marty was there. They ran, you know, in uh, uh, Joe Montana, right? So I got there. We're running Joe Montana old school West coast offense. I mean, pure, <laughs> which was in this sort of West coast world, all these coaches that came from Bill Walsh, it was right. very, it was sort of like the Bible in a sense, yeah. like these are the plays and here's how we execute and run them. And they're, 
there wasn't a lot of always creativity. It was like, they just know these basic principles worked versus various coverages and they were right. But the creativity on splits and motions and right. also in the running game was not there. There wasn't a play action and a lot of bootlegs and that, that type of system. But then Mike Shanahan ends up in uh, Denver and they start this sort of outside zone thing. And the Kubiak brought that. And, and then Kyle, of course, and Mike McDaniel were there. So we're running outside zone, running bootlegs, we're running play action and having huge success for quarterbacks that weren't great. You know, Matt Schaub led the NFL in passing. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, incredible. And I, that's where I felt the most comfortable. I didn't feel comfortable playing quarterback in my first five years in the league. I was like, it's, it's scary back there in the pocket. And I, there's a lot of information I didn't know coming out as sort of a very raw quarterback in college, but in, in with, with Shanahan and, and with Coobs, uh, uh, I felt very comfortable. Like I can do this. I played really well in the preseason. You just go out and you just sort of execute. And it was this uh, uh, Kyle puts you in positions where you really just have to do what he tells you to do. Yeah. And, but he gives you all these tools and all these little helpers to, so you have a better feeling for coverage and just makes it hard on the defense by the way he motions and, and formations things. But at the end of the day, those same basic principles, both Absolutely. in the running game, uh, in the passing game. And, and, and one of the biggest things that no one really talks about is the tight splits. Yeah, that is one of the biggest things. All right. From a Z receiver, I say I'm, I'm walking to the ball, my quarterback or my receiver way to the right. In the history of football, the receivers were always out wide and then yes. they'd maybe motion across and be in the slot. But really, they were out wide. And then these guys uh, and actually Kyle. What's interesting about the whole thing is that Kyle was in Tampa before Houston and he spent a lot of time with Monty Kiffin. So he was literally learning defensive football from uh, uh, one of the great coaches in, 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 in the NFL right. history, Monty Kiffin. He learned the words they used and the, where he wanted their eyes to be and, and the exact responsibilities and fine detail of all the various coverages that you see in the National Football League. He brought that then. So most offensive coaches don't learn that. They learn offense. Right. They don't actually learn yeah. what all the, the, the precise details are. So Kyle comes and then he starts learning all these. He knows he knows all this defensive stuff. Gets into the outside zone, Kubiak uh, world to play action, and then just starts designing all these super cool plays based off of well, if we can when we when we fake, we can get that linebacker to be here, and they're not going to be they're not going to be here in their pass coverage stuff. And so, sort of became this offense of if we cannot drop back pass at all, wouldn't that be better? Like ask is the <laughs> offensive lineman like. People throw 30 passes in the game and zero of them are seven step drop back, uh, uh, drop back passes, they'd be thrilled. And so yeah. it was this like minimizing the drop back pass game. All right. Yeah. Bootlegs, play action, screens off the play action to the sure. tight end because he has a bad matchup on a defensive end. Uh, of course, the wide receiver screens and, and, and also their, their fair share of just straight drop backs too, but really, really uh, um, quick answers to get the ball out. Uh, um, and, and also to, to a sort of coverage tips and, and route combination tips that really helped a quarterback identify what he's doing and what he's seen. And so then they can just anticipate and play fast. And I think that's what Kyle Shanahan has done and Mike McDaniel, that what they have done. And for me with also was Kubiak when, when we were all together was this ability to allow me to actually anticipate yeah. and the game is so fast in the passing lanes are so small 
Um, but if you really have a deeper understanding of the if you if you can visualize football from Monty Kiffin's standpoint, now right. I know exactly what that linebacker is being taught. I know exactly what that safety is being taught. And now I can sort of manipulate them a little bit rather than just going back there and like, well, is he open throwing the ball? If he's not open, throw someone else the ball. It it became a much and then you're with that anticipation, you sort of gave me confidence and gave other gives all these quarterback comments because you really know what you're doing. And it sort of has changed the the NFL yeah. world uh, uh, so much. So uh, here we are, Brock Purdy. He's got a month left in the season. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, uh, uh, super exciting. You know, yeah, very, um, very one thing is he's very durable. You know, forty six yes. starts in college, he got beat up a lot too. Um, yep. And uh, but yet he you know rarely missed time. So um, you know, good luck to Brock. We'll, we'll see how that goes. I want to talk about. Another quarterback really quick, Hunter Deckers. You work with Hunter yeah. Deckers. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah, also an Iowa State. He's the current Iowa State quarterback mm -hmm. from Iowa. Multi-sport yeah. athlete in high school. I think he was All-State in like four sports. Yeah. Talking about like his throwing motion when, when he came yeah. down and, and you worked with him. Yeah, it was awesome. So, um, you know, working with Brock and, and having success with Brock through his development, um, naturally, you know, the other Iowa State quarterbacks are like, oh, well, what did he do? I'd like to do some of that. So. Uh, it was good. So I had Hunter out here this past offseason. Um, what an unbelievable arm that kid has. I think he actually threw 90 plus miles an hour in, in high school. Yeah, I mean, it's something 92, ridiculous. I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so again, for him, um, he was a different kind of athlete than, than Brock was, a much better athlete from a traditional sense. Um, he changed his body a considerable amount over the years. Um, and I think he kind of found a good weight and a good, good, um, uh, 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 you know, approach to being being the quarterback that he wanted to be. Um, for for for, for um, Hunter, it was similar things in terms of the thought process. He just had a different approach. You know, not not that being a lefty or righty changes anything. Um, but you know, again, for him, it was awareness of his front side arm. We talked about that a lot. You know, the front arm can really be a bleed in energy, right? Or it can it can start the sequence of the upper body too soon. So giving him more awareness and understanding of where that arm should be. And then his uh, giving him kind of just giving him permission to be a little bit more varied with his, with his uh, throwing arm release, right? Sometimes we're stuck in this. It's got to be the same every single time. Um, and then you're presented with a situation where you need to move your arm in a certain manner to, you know, maybe you got to get a little bit wider. Um, you got to get a little bit more of the top or, or whatever it is you're on your, you have to, you've got your weight back more. And so him getting understanding how to do, uh, move his arm a little bit more freely, again, with the hips and, and the, the back foot, you know, understanding the, the deceleration phase. So same kind of concepts, just a little bit of a different application because he had you know, different kinds of issues. Um, and, and the comment that, you know, he, he, the message he gave me, I think just before the season was, was actually during fall camp was that he was throwing the ball the best he's ever thrown in his life. Um, and again, I know Iowa State season probably didn't go as, as people wanted it to, and there's lots of improvement. Um, you know, it's hard to replace a kid that's played 46 starts, but I, I think Hunter's a, a guy that's going to, he's got a ton of upside. He's NFL talent. Uh, he's got yeah. NFL talent there, uh, no doubt. So um, it'd be fun to watch his progress. I think they're going to continually get better. You know, and we know that staff is amazing. So they're going to do a great job with him. Yeah. He is very talented. He's a thick, strong kid, um, great athlete. And yeah, he can really throw it. And yep. <laughs> we'll see how his uh, career progresses, obviously. And, and uh, you know, hopefully Iowa State has a better season next yeah. year. Uh, <laughs> uh, but let, let's let's talk about 
other NFL throwers. Yeah. Talk, who, who, give me a couple guys who just have like what you would say is an incredibly efficient throwing motion that, and then talking about some guys who don't, even if, you know, sure. they, they might be, you know, as we, we, we've talked, we've already ripped on Peyton Manning this morning. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, um, uh, but uh, talking about guys who have who just awesome throwing motions that if you can try to like show those on film to your young athletes. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, kind of the go-to one. Um, and I think it's, it has been Aaron Rodgers, right? Obviously b- being able to literally do anything he wants at any moment on the field, um, with that arm, um, from the traditional sense, um, Aaron does some things that I think, uh, you know, he doesn't, I don't know. I don't know that he works with anyone in particular. I know that he's worked with trainers on his body and understanding, um, you know, I, I got a high understanding of sequencing and timing and he, he's talked with guys, but he's just elite in ways that are, that are sometimes not, um, you know, it, difficult to duplicate with other athletes. Uh, but I love to use him as an example of just, you know, the, the varied ways that you can play the game, the extremes on certain levels with the arms, some of his approaches. Um, so Aaron always sticks out. Um, you know, I think Matthew Stafford from a fundamental standpoint um, I think he does a lot of things really, really well. I th- would say he's a much more controlled version, um, more, I don't want to say disciplined, disciplined in the sense that, you know, he doesn't uh, make such, um, and he makes very adaptive, you know, no look throws. He does a great job there. But, you know, Aaron's pocket manipulation and movement is, I think, different than the way Matt moves. Um, but from just an efficiency, stand- efficiency standpoint and, and just having an absolute cannon, uh, Matthew Stafford, I think, is is awesome to watch. You know, um, really elite from from that. Um, What's interesting for me, by the way, when I watch Stafford, um, the throwing motion, I I love. What I what I don't like is the feet. Sure, um, and it's sort of the same issue with like Baker Mayfield. There's like a lack of rhythm there, and rhythm is timing. You know, uh, right. it's no hitch to here, one hitch to here, two hitch. It sort of helps you go through the progression. Uh, with your your feet are telling you where to go with the football. And I feel yeah. like that's what's really held back Baker Mayfield is his feet. I talked to Kevin Stefanski about it at the combine last year. And he, they, because of COVID and things, he never really got like the off season work. And, but that wow. rhythm allows you to be on time with the football. And that rhythm also allows you to be more accurate. And I think where Stafford sometimes gets in trouble, it's a great thrower is those yeah. feet are get sort of choppy and he makes a throw and it's just not in it's again, it's not in rhythm, which sometimes creates his sure. lack of uh, accuracy. Right. Sure. But yeah, as a natural thrower, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah. You got, you got to love it. Um, you know, I think obviously Mahomes again, and, and from a traditional sense, um, you know, Mahomes is upbringing being baseball. I'm familiar with his trainer, Bobby Stroop and their approach. He has some things that he does that are just, um, off the charts from like a movement standpoint, you know, the, the layback he has in his arm, the ability to rotate his, his upper body he has like, I think, he, uh, Bobby said he had the, the most, um, the fastest upper body movement he'd ever seen out of all the baseball players, football players he's ever seen the way his trunk rotates is elite. And he's super bendy. Yeah. Mahomes. Yeah. Like he's yeah. just sort of like a Gumby back there. You know, he looks so loose and, yeah. and you know, again, going back to the old quarterback, quarterbacks of the early 2000s and and the 90s and the 80s it was like this stiff sort of uh quarterback and he's just so loose and free and bendy on top of it with his arm and and those things the ball just shoots out of his hand oh yeah yeah josh allen josh allen has that too he's a very sort of loose loose upper body quarterback 
Well, and, th- and, and, and Josh Allen, um, and I think one of the other ones I think that stands out for me is, is Jalen Hurts. And I think the thing about Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen, both of them, um, have gone kind of an overhaul in, in their mechanics and their approach since entering the league. Now, Allen was ridiculously talented watching him at Wyoming. I mean, that guy yeah. did things that I've never seen in college football. Before. There's a Nebraska game where he threw for like 400 yards and yeah. he was making throws. And I was like, he, he made a throw. I think it was about midfield, 50-yard line. And he was running to his right, off his back foot, rolling towards the sidelines and throws it to the back of the end zone. I was like, that might be the greatest throw I've ever seen. Yeah. I'm, and he I'm was sure. a junior or a sophomore yeah. in, in college. Yeah. And so I know he went through a, a, a considerable change from a, um, just a sequence and timing standpoint. Because when he first entered the league as a rookie, um, there were some questions. People were like, oh, is this guy going to be as good as he's going to be? Like, is he going to be that elite? Um, and, and I think he worked really hard on getting better and understanding his own throwing mechanics better than he has before. Um, and you saw that jump in his performance. And again, um, you know, Hurts with the Eagles has, has had a substantial jump in accuracy and, and consistency um and they're just crushing it there right now um but i know that you know um that he has made a, a really good leap in terms of his ability to make throws and be repeatable and consistent through things um it's fun to watch um you know guys make that transition and and have so much success um, talking about the guys who haven't who have really struggled yeah. or or you're like man i wish i'd get my hands on this sure, because you can just see the flaws right off the like, just, just so easily. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I, I know, um, uh, you know, one of the quarterbacks. Uh, he's, I think, he's very, very elite. Um, uh, locally here, we have uh, Trevor Lawrence here in Jacksonville. Um, I've just had a blast watching him. I think since week nine, he, he's like been the highest rated yeah. quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, the guy is. Higher undeniably like one of the most talented um humans in in the league um and and i think from from a a standpoint of his you know college career it was really interesting to watch him um really overcome you know some mechanical inefficiencies um and just a pure raw talent and he's improved some things definitely like he's gotten better but again there's still things you see in his game that it's it's um you know, from a traditional standpoint of, of, of what we talked about before, like the tilt and the bend and the back foot coming up. Um, but again, I don't want to take anything away from the work he's done and the talent that he has, but he's a guy I still think has another level of improvement to make. Um, that's going to be scary if he gets it all right. It's, it's, and it's really uh, about, it is about consistency. Yes. That's the whole thing. It's like hitting a yeah. golf ball, right? You want yeah. to hit it straight every time. And the same with the quarterbacks. It's right. It's, it's this, this consistent your 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 coaching uh creates these sort of consistent fundamentals that then the ball is just more consistently accurate yeah and, it's a and chaotic so game these yeah. you don't have these yeah. ups and downs and games where you're right. just not on or uh yeah. you know you're just what you're not sure why you're, you can't throw to the left or exactly. you, you give them the tools to think about yeah, even when you're out there, you know, in, in the games. So of course, you, you hope to practice as much as you can. So you're not thinking sure. about it. But I will say straight up, like especially on three-step drops or time throws, I am thinking about my feet and where yeah. I'm and, and where I'm gonna step and where I'm gonna step at the last, you know, and where my elbow yeah. is. My I very much recall thinking about the little fundamentals in the middle of a play yeah. in, in the National Football League, which is sort of wild, but those fundamentals really do help for that consistency. Well, absolutely. I think that, that um, you know, it's building a quarterback that can adapt to any kind of environment. Right. And it's it's being able to be repeatable 
but in in a chaotic um because things are going to change things are going to change mid like you're in the middle of your throw and you're like oh i have to adjust because of the movement on something right and having that awareness level you know on this throw hey, i gotta get my front foot in the ground fast because if i don't i'm not going to get the ball out quick um, i'm gonna you know chop the end of my drop down a little bit because uh, you know i see the break of a defensive back having that ability to 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 mid throw mid drop adjust and and really adapt to the environment as opposed to just kind of going out there and you know there's a there's a probably a freedom to just playing ball but the problem with that is like when things go wrong and you get out of rhythm and you lose it you know it's like god i can't find my throw i can't i'm not consistent you got no mechanism to like lean back into and go okay I need to focus on getting my front foot down. That's one of the things we do with our athletes. We try to give them like three personal cues, right? Hey, if things aren't going well, you focus on your front foot in the ground, uh, flashing your shoulder a little bit better, and then uh, keeping your weight back, whatever it might be, right? Um, and so trying to personalize cues for athletes. And, and when they have those, they're able to, you know, get things rolling again. If they miss one, they know, oh, I know why I missed that. You know, I'm not going to do that again. So that's, we like to see those kind of one throw corrections, you know, when they make a mistake, how quickly can they recover from that mistake? And it should be about one throw if they're elite. Is there anybody else in the National Football League or even college football that's that's coming out this year? We're in that you know time of the year where yeah. uh, the Mike Mayocks of the world are uh, uh, you know fully looking at these college oh, yeah. quarterbacks or you know all, whoever the draft uh, analysts uh, are, uh, Mike McShay Absolutely. maybe or whoever. Um, yeah. Or Todd McShay, Todd McShay. Yeah, yeah, uh, this is that time of year where we will have a list <laughs> yeah. of like these four yeah. to six guys are going to be first rounders or second yeah. rounders talking about either pro quarterbacks and some yeah. of these college quarterbacks that you'd love to work with because you see these these mechanical flaws. Yeah, absolutely. So um, one, one um, you know, uh, one of my partners here, Danny Thompson, owns this, the indoor facility we work out of called Six Points. Um, you know, uh, we've got um, Anthony Richardson from University of Florida coming to do draft prep this year, uh, which is super exciting. Um, and, and you know, Danny's worked with Anthony for quite some time. Um, so this is familiarity with the program and the system. Um, but again, now we're going to get our hands on him full time. You know, he doesn't have to worry about going to class, doesn't have to worry about um, practice. You know, he's just going to go into this next combine, you know, phase and just focus on the deficiencies in his throw the kid is an elite athlete on another. I mean, he is, you know, he'll, he'll be one of the top five athletes in the NFL when he's, when he's drafted. I mean, he's, he's a specimen. Um, he's, he's unbelievably uh, poised and, and the understanding for the game and his feel is really good. I know the season at Florida didn't go, I mean, college football fans are insane. So you're never going to make them happy unless you go undefeated and win a national championship. So I tend to not buy into the feedback of the media, um, you know, but what he's able to do. I think he's another guy that when he gets everything to click, I mean, he's only started one year in, in college. He had like, I think a couple starts the year prior. He's a, he's th three years out of high school. Um, so he's got a ton of room to, you know, to continually work on things and improve, but he's one we're going to work with this next off season that does some things elite, uh, that knows he's got some areas to improve that I'm really excited to get my hands on. It's going to be fun to watch um, his progress over the next, uh, you know, two to three months. Well, we'll keep an eye on Anthony Richardson uh, yeah. as the draft nears. Uh, you know, I, I've seen him play a couple of games at college. He is a tremendous talent um, and a, a tremendous thrower. Uh, yes. You can see the the ball comes out. He's You could tell. I actually can tell when I see college 
quarterbacks a lot of times like oh he's worked with somebody yeah because you just yeah. sort of see certain mechanical issues and then you also see guys who are like well i can tell he hasn't worked with somebody right because he has certain issues but also like he's out there just winging it you could just yeah. tell he's just out there like hey Rio, yeah. i can throw the ball and no one's ever <laughs> taught me anything and yeah um but uh, uh to be repeatable consistent yeah. you you have to it helps to have those those fundamentals that you teach no. um well will also will hewlett Thanks Sage. for coming on the show today. Appreciate it, man. I sincerely appreciate it. Um, yeah. Enjoy the sun and the beach down there in Jacksonville. I will. <laughs> um, good luck to your to your athletes, and uh, looking forward to seeing who you're going to work with awesome, uh, as the as the college season ends here and and the the NFL season uh, restarts uh, with the draft, of course, next May, and uh, the athletes that you'll be you know trained for for all those things. So awesome. uh, I really appreciate you uh, coming on today um and, and sharing with us uh, particularly the story of, of of brock purdy and when you saw him and some of the things you yeah. did and you and i are both sort of we have this sort of vested interest in, in yeah hoping that oh, he yeah. really succeeds yeah. uh not that we take much credit for it but uh yeah. it's just nice to be you know i always like it when, like when you know caleb williams wins the heisman or, or bryce young yeah. last year you and i worked with those guys yeah we're not their we're not their throwing coaches but we have worked with them uh, a yeah. few times and a lot of coaches love taking credit for sure. uh, a, a player winning the Heisman Trophy. You and I take like 0.001 percent yeah. of that credit, but uh, yeah. we, we're, we're, I just enjoy helping these guys because I just I know it. how little I knew when I yeah. came out of high school and I even came out of college in my pro career from a throwing motion standpoint, but also an X's and O's standpoint to sort of maybe give in this situation Brock Purdy these tools. Yeah. That allowed him to interview better at the combine, allowed him to Absolutely. play better when he showed up uh, uh, for their first rookie mini camp and then the OTAs and then training camp. And then hopefully some of the things that we did have had an impact on him yeah. already, uh, but we'll see. But now it's up to Brock. We'll see yep. what what, uh, what he can do. So um, uh, uh, sh should should be a lot of fun. And yeah. uh, Will, maybe I'll be talking to you soon. I'm sure we'll be Absolutely. Uh, working together before we know it. So All Will right, Hewlett, um, thank, thank you everybody for listening in the show or watching it uh, if you are watching the video uh, version of this thing. But uh, um, we'll be back next week. We'll see how Brock Pre does this week. I'm not even sure who the 49ers are, are playing this week. But uh, uh, the National Thursday Football League. Yeah. They have a Thursday night game? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Herb Street's going to well, call it. So that'll be fun. Well, it should be should be a lot of fun. Well, uh, awesome. thanks for coming on today and uh, and we're out. Iowa everywhere.